Psalm 103, we're going to read verses 1 and 2 by the way of introduction this morning. The Bible says in Psalms 103, verse 1, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and watch this now, and forget not all His benefits. Father, we love You this morning, and we thank You so much for all Your benefits. Forgive me for the way I forget. Now I pray this morning you draw our attention to how good you are and that you'd help us from this psalm to get some help, some strength, and some comfort. I'm asking you, God, I'm asking you please to bless these people. Uh, they didn't have to come here this morning. They did it voluntarily. And there's just a good spirit in this room, and I thank you for it. Now I pray you'd help them. And God, by chance, if there's anybody here this morning that's lost, I pray you'd help them to realize their need for the Lord Jesus Christ and to get saved before they leave here today. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Dr. Ruckman labeled this psalm in his commentary a psalm of mercy. And I think that's extremely fitting. That's exactly what it is. But when I got studying it and looking it over, I really latched on to, <coughs> really latched on to verse number 2. It says, And forget not all his benefits. I want to preach to you this morning on God's benefits. I think it's a very important message for you as the, the church that you are. So like I'm talking now specifically to Bible Believers Church, to you folks. I'm not saying as Christians in, in worldwide Christians, Christendom, I'm saying to you. And I'm not even talking to Bible believers at large. I'm talking about this group of Bible believing Christians and what I know about you as your pastor and the personal relationship that I feel like we've developed between a church and a pastor. Is that making sense? So this message is to you and to what I know about the vast majority of you. What blows my mind is your honesty about yourself. You can't keep coming to a church like this and not be honest about yourself. I realize that the preaching is hard. I'm not apologizing for that. I'm not backing it off. I realize that when we open up that book, which is the Word of God, and it's a perfect book written by a holy God, that it tells us some things about ourselves that we don't necessarily want to hear, like, or face. I realize that when you come to a church like this and commit to a church like this, and you're here week after week, month after month, year after year, and now we're rolling into decades. We're at a decade and a half, and some of you have been here over a decade. And man, you get your toes stepped on a lot. You leave church, and, and this is a common thing. I've even had this conversation this week with, with brand new people that had come, and the person that brought them, and the conversation that they had, and then the conversation that I had. And it's like, man, when you leave church, you're supposed to leave feeling good. And I feel like when I leave that church, I don't feel good. It's like, I, I thought going to church was supposed to help me and make me feel better. And actually, the person who invited the other people was like, no, you're not always supposed to leave church feeling good. Actually, when you go to church, you should have a little bit of a gut check. You should actually, some, I mean, we're preaching a perfect book. We're preaching about a, a holy God and our relationship with him. Then shouldn't there be a certain amount of self-evaluation and like, wow, man, I got some things I need to get right with God. And so it's amazing to me that you commit to that and you keep coming to that. And it blows my mind the way really you, you accept that kind of preaching. But I realize, listen, you can't beat God's people or fleece sheep over and over again. If sooner or later, he kills them. You understand what I'm saying? 
And with your honesty about the truth and your willingness to say, yes, I'm wrong and God is right and respond to conviction. And, and I mean, I'm not saying that a response at the altar call is proof of anything one way or the other. But I do think it is somewhat indicative of people that are saying, yes, God spoke to me and I'm humbling myself. And I'm willing to even embarrass myself to before I leave, get down there and talk to God and kind of nail this thing down before I walk out the door and forget about it. And to watch even the response at the altar call, I, I don't pressure the altar to calls any more than I pressure the offerings. It's like I'm going to give you an opportunity to respond if you want to. And then you just do. What, what that shows me is a, actually a pretty tender heart towards the truth. And what can happen to people like you and I, because I, listen, I, I try very hard, and I'm not saying I'm perfect at it. I try very hard to accept the hard facts about myself. I try very hard to go, you know what, I need to work on that, and I was wrong about that, and that's not right, and I need to change that. And I want more than anything, I want to be effective with my life. I got one life to live, and then after that, I'm dead. I don't get to go back and do this thing over again. I want to be effective with my life. And so that means I have to really face some uncomfortable truths about me. I have to say, look, I got a fault in that area. That needs to change. That doesn't make me a good father. That actually is not conducive to being a good husband. You know what? That way about me, that doesn't make me a good pastor, and I shouldn't do that again, and I need to change that, and I'm constantly looking at myself that way. Listen, everywhere I've ever gone, any hobby I get into, I like finding people that are ultra-critical and the best of the best, and God's been good to Hook me up with people like that anytime I've gotten into a hobby. Literally the best of the best. Proven it, world champion, proved it. And I like the fact that they look at me and care enough about me to go, yeah, you might be good in this area, but look at how weak you are over here. Look at your disadvantages there. And that helps me. That's like, yeah, let's talk about what I'm bad at. Because I want to get really good at what I'm bad at. Let's go ahead. I'm going to put myself in all the positions that make me weak and that make me lose. And, and I'm going to work then out of those positions to strengthen all my weaknesses. It's the way my mind operates. And I'm afraid that since my mind operates like that and the man is the message, you understand what that means? God works on a man and then God uses a man. It's not that the man is the standard but God works on a man, and then God uses a man. A church is built on Jesus Christ, but it is built around a man. You go to different churches, and there's different personalities about that church. That could be for good and for bad. And so because I have that aptitude, sometimes I feel like maybe you feel like I'm too hard on you. But to me, it doesn't feel like I'm too hard. It feels like I'm trying to help. Does that make sense? I find tremendous benefit in it. The problem is the devil can get advantage of us because we get to a point where all we see is I'm never good enough. I'm not right. It's not enough. I always got to improve. And it's like constant pressure. Are you with me so far? This morning, and I've been asking God for this for a while, and none of the passages have lent themselves to it. So I've actually gotten to a point where I say, Okay, God, I'm just preaching what it is. I'm not making the passage say what I want it to say, but I really want to give them an encouraging message. And then I got to this psalm, and I was like, here it is. I got a lot of encouragement myself out of this psalm. I'm not telling you that the critique is going to change because the Scripture is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, two-thirds negative, for doctrine, reproof, correction, instruction, and righteousness. So there is, you just read the Bible. There's so much of that Bible that's always telling us where we're getting out of line. 
But that's not, listen, when you come and you get convicted and God deals with you and you answer that altar call, do you realize that that's not always God's way of telling you that you're a loser and that you're not good enough? No. You know what I've learned from some of my coaches? The guys that don't want to hear it, he don't tell them. And then you say, well, what about, you know, he's real good. No, he'll never be nothing. Well, why not? He's, he's grown a lot. No, he'll never be nothing. Why? He don't want to change. But the guys he thinks has potential, you could be world champion. I see it in you. You got what it takes. He will be so hard on those guys, always trying to help them get better. Do you know sometimes why God puts the conviction on you? Because he actually sees your heart and he realizes that you want to get better. I believe that. So I don't think that the correction is always a negative thing. I actually think it's a compliment. The way you folks take the hard preaching that comes from this pulpit, I want you to know I appreciate you for it and the liberty that I have to preach, and it's indicative of your hearts, and I know you're not perfect. But you know, you've got a Heavenly Father that loves you in spite of all your weaknesses and all your problems and all your faults. And what we can do is we can oftentimes get so focused on how we're not good enough that we forget the benefits that come with the Lord. You know, God has a lot of benefits for you and I. I'm thankful for a God who loves me in spite of me. I'm thankful for a God that gives me the truth about myself, but then tries to show me the truth about him. You see, you and I get to where we understand that we got to stop all the fornication and all the adultery and all the cussing and all the swearing and the drinking and the partying, and we get all that, right? I mean, we understand that that's not what God expects out of us. Hello? This world doesn't get it. You realize that, don't you? most of the Christians in this world have beers with their preacher or their priest on the weekend. You get that, don't you? That's not what we are around here. We recognize the works of the flesh, but when you get into the Bible and you start studying the Bible, you find out in the Bible that God's a little bit more concerned with sins of the Spirit than He is sins of the flesh. Sins of the flesh will take care of themselves if you get your heart right with Jesus Christ and you really want God, then He'll clean up the outside, but we don't want a church that's full of people that are dirty on the inside. That's a bigger problem than the outside. So what God wants this morning is your heart, and I believe with all my heart that a passage like this helps us realize why we ought to give God our hearts. There's great benefits that comes from a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Look at it first of all, verse number three. There's forgiveness from God. One of the benefits of having a relationship with God. One of the benefits of saying tender to the preaching and tender to the Bible and tender to the critique and the criticism and tender to the things that need to change. It's a great benefit because in verse three, he says, who forgiveth all thine iniquities and who healeth all thy diseases. Look at that. You realize that Almighty God has forgiveness in Him. Yes, He is holy. No, we're not good enough. Yes, we all fall short of the glory of God. No, there's none righteous. No, not one. But God Almighty forgives people that recognize what they are and are willing to admit what they are. And that's what I believe the vast majority of you are. And if you aren't, you ought to change your mind this morning. You ought to be willing to say, you know what, I am wrong and God is right because forgiveness comes from a repentant heart. Forgiveness doesn't come because some God in heaven is some big pushover daddy that does whatever he's told and he's love and he's this and he's that and God loves us all and we're all the same and all that garbage you're healing all the time. Forgiveness comes to somebody whose heart is broken for what they've done, broken for what they are. Do you understand that? It's not all about everything you've done. It's what you are that's the problem. 
We get that. You hear more amens and yeah, that's right. It's the, the negative preaching around here than you do the positive. We get that. But man, ain't it great to have a God that forgives? He forgiveth all thine iniquities. So when the devil constantly wants to show up and show you where you fall short and where you're not good enough, you got to remember that one of the benefits of having God as your father, one of the benefits of believing his word, one of the benefits of loving him and giving him your heart and your life and your soul, one of the benefits is the forgiveness of almighty God that is able to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him. His forgiveness. Notice it applies to all thine iniquities in verse 3. Who healeth all thy diseases. Well, obviously, that doesn't all apply to us. Hello? Dan should be out of surgery by now. It's th these guys, you know around here, understand rightly dividing the word of truth and how to make a spiritual and practical application to things that don't doctrinally apply to you. Well, he has forgiven all your iniquities, spiritually, if you're saved. If you've trusted the Lord Jesus Christ, God's Son is your Savior. He's forgiven everything you've ever done, past, present, and future. You're saved from all the sin of the past. You're being saved daily, and you shall be saved in the future. That's the power of God's salvation when you ask Him to save you. Man, if you haven't been saved, listen to me. If you haven't been saved this morning, you get none of the benefits that come with Almighty God. Do you understand that? All you get from Him is the judgment. And you do understand that He's a judging God. I don't care what this modern-day culture is trying to tell people. I don't care what modern-day preachers are trying to tell them. God is a God of judgment. He that is spiritual judgeth all things, yet he himself is judged to no man. God is a God of judgment, and God will not back off on his judgment. You have to understand there's no escape routes. There's no personal justification. You've got nothing without the Lord Jesus Christ, nothing but eternity and the lake of fire coming your way. You need the forgiveness of God, and it's one of the benefits you have have if you're saved this morning he's forgiven you of all of them what a God and do you know the day is coming that he will heal you of all your diseases I'm telling you man I can't wait to get my glorified body it's going to be awesome I like scaring the girls you know you imagine being in a glorified body just popping through the wall boom you know here we are you know, in that battle we'll be looking at as we're going through Revelation, we'll look at it soon. You know, you'll be able to fall on the sword and pull that thing right out of you. Yeah. How cool would that be? Yeah. I mean, like, you know, MMA fighters would beat your chest or whatever before a fight. Could you imagine, like, walking up, you got that old battle sword in your hand, and you look at the enemy and just go, yeah, yeah, That's a glorified body, man. You ain't going to feel any pain. You're going to be running up walls, the Bible tells you. That's coming in the future. I know that's wild for you if you don't know the Bible, but if you know the Bible, you realize when Jesus Christ comes back, we're coming back with him. And boy, all your diseases are going to be healed. Every problem you have is going to be fixed and taken care of, and you're never going to have to deal with them again. Look at verse number 6. It says, The Lord executeth righteousness and judgment for all that are oppressed. You know what I'm thankful for? I'm thankful for the judgment of God. You know why I can be thankful this morning? Hear me. I can be thankful because my judgment was put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Why do you think he died on the cross of Calvary? He died on the cross of Calvary to take away your sins. You get that? You want to face that judgment without Jesus Christ? 
He lived the perfect life in your place because you can't do it. Right. Pretty obvious to tell you the truth. More obvious sometimes than you may realize. Right. <laughs> you can't do it. And he did. You recognize your judgment was placed on the Son of God, the perfect, sinless Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ, took your judgment. Man, what a blessing. Man, what a, what a thing. I mean, I, I'm ashamed of myself. I'm ashamed of the fact that I killed Jesus Christ, and I admit that I did. Look at verse 8. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and plenteous in mercy. Boy, you know, you got a God that's slow to anger. Ain't that a blessing? Let me, ask you, let me ask you a question. Let me ask you a question. I want you to hear me. Based on what you've done already today, today, should God be letting you sit there without striking you dead? No, He shouldn't, should He? People used to respect the house of God. Now more sin goes on in the house of God than we care to even know about. You know what you got? You got a merciful God that's letting you live. What a blessing that He's so merciful. That He's patient. He's gracious. And He's slow to anger. He will not always chide, neither will He keep His anger forever. He hath not dealt with us after our sins nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. You see that? Come on, be honest this morning. Has God given you everything you deserve? I'm not saying that in the American way. Bunch of brats. Bunch of stinking brats. Want everything handed to them and don't want to earn it. You know, that's exactly why we tell the kids, if you're going to get love offerings from these people, you're going to bring desserts. And you're going to wash their utensils. Yeah, take them home and wash. <laughs> Germs. Okay, well then you're too good for my money. 100% why. That's why I told the guys I want my family on the cleaning schedule. You're the preacher. You should, no, I want my family on the cleaning schedule. I want, them, I want them wiping the toilets they're willing to use. When they finally get through the cotton picking line. Sorry about that. It's pretty bad. We're trying to fix it, right? Yeah. Why? Because you don't get everything just handed to you. You've got to work your way up. Not, not in the culture you're in, you know. Has God given you everything you deserve? By way of judgment. By way of judgment. No, I've sowed a lot of seeds that never came up. A lot of seeds of sin that never came up. God's been very, 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 very merciful to me. And I'm willing to bet you he's being merciful to some of you right now. Hello. I mean, right now. Like, if you got what you deserved, you're sitting in a church. You understand that? That book that's open in front of you is a holy book. This thing is based on the person and work of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what we're given to around here. It's about His name. It ain't about your name. It ain't about you. It's about Him. If He knew the thought, if you, if we knew the thoughts that have already gone on in this room, 
Preacher, this is an encouraging message. Yeah. I'm telling you how gracious he is. He would strike some of you dead for thinking the things you think sitting in church. If he was just, just pouring out his judgment, just honest judgment. You got a merciful God in heaven, and I, boy, I, I know how merciful he's been to me. He's a forgiving God. He's a patient God. Look at verse 11. For as the heaven is high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward them that fear him. You see it? You see it? Now, do you see why I started this message the way I did? Because I said, when I preach to you about how bad you are, you all say, woe is me. Yeah, that's right. I'm not good enough. I, don't, I need to change. I need to work on that. That was good preaching, preacher. That was convicting, preacher. And you respond that way toward the truth. So when you respond that way toward the truth, you're showing a fear of God. And when you show a fear of God, you know what that does for him? That, that, that has him go, okay, you know what? I'll go easy on him. You see how that thing's a blessing? You see how hard preaching is a blessing in your life? Do you understand that? It's a good thing that a preacher cares enough about your soul and not about your pocketbook or your attendance, but your soul to tell you the truth about Almighty God and to recognize I better fear God because if I don't fear God, I'm not falling under certain categories in His mindset. Right. You snub your nose at God, you got yours coming. I'm telling you right now, you got yours coming. Having fun yet? I am. Verse 12. As far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. You head east. Keep heading east. You know what they tell you? If you head east, you're always heading east. That's east. Sorry about that. West is the other way. He separated your transgressions from him, so removed them from him, so as far as the east is from the west. He removed them from us. Yes, you. The woe is me. The man, I'm not good enough. Man, I don't know my Bible enough. Man, I don't know my doctrine good enough. Man, I messed up the first 20, 30, 40 years of my life, and here I am, and I'm just hoping God can... Yeah, the forgiveness of God is so deep and so vast and so far and so wide. It's a great benefit to your life. Notice the next thing in verse 5. Great benefit in his forgiveness. Verse number 5, he feeds us, who satisfieth thy mouth with good things. You see that? So that thy youth is renewed like the eagles. You know what a benefit of God is? A benefit of being the kind of people that you are. A benefit of being people that say, listen, tell me when I'm wrong. When you have that attitude... God will feed your soul. When you're willing to be corrected, He'll make sure you get what you need to get you going and to keep you going and to strengthen you and to grow you and to nurture you and to bless your soul. He satisfieth my mouth with good things so that my youth is renewed like the eagle's. Look at verse 7. He made known his ways unto Moses. See that? His acts unto the children of Israel. You know where the feeding comes from? He made known his ways unto Moses, right? Moses gave him the law, didn't he? He wrote down the scriptures for him, didn't he? 
You know what God's got for you this morning? That's what church is, folks. It's why we're here. I don't understand. I'm, I'm at a complete loss. The longer I do this, the more of a loss I'm at for what people think church is. What do they expect? I, I get this like, what do you want from me? I'm not a politician if you haven't noticed. We wouldn't be measured with our backing of Israel. There would be no like measurement. No, you butchered our kids, so sorry about what you got coming. But we ain't letting yours grow up to do it to our grandkids. Do you understand what I'm saying? I'm not a politician. Do you get that? Reality is reality. The truth is the truth. God called me to be a preacher. I believe in feeding the flock of God which is among you because that's what he said the preachers are supposed to do. It's the work of God. It's what he's doing to help you out. He feeds his people. That's one of the benefits of Almighty God is feeding your soul. You ought to want to hear from him. He'll feed you if you do. You satisfy at thy mouth with good things. You know what don't satisfy? The things of this earth. You go ahead and give yourself the pot. You see how much it satisfies. It gets you nowhere. You give yourself the alcohol. You see where it gets you. Nowhere. You give yourself to, to fornication. See where it gets you. Nowhere. You know what this book will do for you? It will satisfy you. One of the benefits of God. You don't get that benefit if you don't listen. Well, you folks listen. It blows my mind. He gave us the word of God to help us out and to strengthen us. Look at verse number 1 and 2. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all His benefits. Don't forget his forgiveness. Don't forget his feeding. He's trying to feed you. He's trying to bless your heart. You know what's wild about this chapter? Chapter 103. Did you know verses 1 and 2 is the center verses of the Bible? Now they used to say it was Psalm 118 something. But modern computers are telling you it's Psalm 103 verses 1 and 2. Right in the center of the word of God he says, Forget not all his benefits. That's something. He gave you that book to tell you about his benefits. That's why we preach the Bible when you come to church, even when it's negative. That's why we tell you the truth about yourself. It's not to run you off and to be a jerk to you. It's to help you out. It's to benefit your life. It's to benefit your children. It's to benefit your marriage. It's to benefit your walk with Jesus Christ. That's the point of this book. He's trying to feed your soul. Listen, always be sensitive to the Word of God. Always be, be sensitive to the conviction of the Holy Spirit because that's the way you get a blessing of the benefits of Almighty God. He's feeding you. You know what's interesting about Psalm 103? There's 22 verses in the chapter. You see down at the end? 22. You know how many letters are in the Hebrew alphabet? 22. Right, Brother Mike? Right. 22 okay. plus 5 finals. Thank you. So guess what? They tell you the chapter and verse markings in your King James Bible aren't inspired. They were added later for 
That book in your lap is, is the hand of Almighty God. It's the fingerprints of Almighty God. He's, he gave the word originally. None of them argue with that by inspiration. They all say, but, you know, it's been copied and copies have been passed down, so you have to know the originals to know the Word of God. I'm trying to tell you this morning that if you hold a King James Bible in your hands, you are holding the inerrant, infallible, inspired, preserved words of Almighty God. The order of the books is there for a reason. I can teach you on that another time. The way the books are ordered, they're not chronological. That Hebrew Old Testament ended with a command for them to go up in 2 Chronicles. Guess what they did already? They did what the Old Testament told them. They went back to the land. Your Old Testament, the way God laid out the books, ends with a curse. Telling you that the, it's just the, the law is a curse. It shows you your sinfulness. And then Christ shows up to bring you a blessing. The forgiveness of God. The feeding from His Word. And that's why all the scholars, by the way, you know what a scholar is? You know what a scholar is? This is a scholar. It's a student. Scripturally defined, a scholar is not a master. A scholar is one still trying to figure it out and learn. And all the scholars tell you that you can't trust the King James Bible, that it's not perfect word of God. 22 verses in this chapter, 22 letters in the Hebrew alphabet. God put his stamp of approval on the King James Bible in so many ways you would spend your entire life trying to dig it all up and never figure it out. That book will feed your soul. I'm telling you, when I was younger, more than once, I, I remember just laying on my face begging God to help me. And I needed help. I had my life messed up, man. I'm not even going to get into it, but I got my life messed up. And there was no chance, there was no way out. You understand what I'm saying? And I didn't have anywhere to turn. I really didn't. Not anybody that could lead me that I had any confidence in. Uh, the older generation had lost my faith. And I remember laying on my face begging God, if you don't do something for me out of this book, I'm not going to make it. In my backslidden state, I used to go get my Bible out and sit down and read my Bible. Asking God to help me. I remember reading my Bible and saying, I'm only doing this because I'm on spiritual life support. That's what I told God. I'm on spiritual life support. And if I stop reading this book, I'm done. I know it. You know what God kept doing for me out of that book? He kept speaking to me and speaking to me and speaking to me and speaking to me and speaking to me. In a backslidden state, because he's a forgiving God, feeding a man who is way off the deep end and done. I had a little baby girl at home and a wife that met me at Bible college and had been sent back from the church I tried to pastor in Illinois with my tail tucked between my legs. And I'm sitting there at the intersection because I got into a big old fight with the wife. It was my fault because I was a nut. It really was. All the ones since then had been her fault, but that one was mine. <laughs> and uh, I left in between services to go get a haircut. And I went up to get a haircut because I was so mad at her and I was yelling at her in the car, you know, yelling at the windshield but like it was doing any good or whatever. And I got done with the haircut and I came back and the Bible was sitting next to me on the passenger seat and I pulled up to an intersection. There's cars parked in Toledo, Ohio. There's cars parked on the street. And I was so mad 
I reached over, I grabbed my Bible, and I said, that's it, I'm done, I'm not preaching anymore! Like then I threw my Bible on the floorboard of the car, and I checked and stomped on the gas and pulled right out, and boom, got hit, I mean T-boned hard, right on the driver's door of my car. That book is the Word of God. This world might take it lightly. Be gracious to them because they don't get it. Let's pray they get it. You understand what I'm saying? Let's, you understand what I'm saying? Let's pray that they get it. They don't get it. They treat it lightly. But you better know that's food for your spiritual soul. Mom and Dad, there's nothing more important than you getting those kids in church and keeping them in church. Do you hear me? I am telling you, I'm telling you, you're not going to see the benefits right away. But in the years to come, those benefits are going to pay off. I'm telling you, the forgiveness of God and the feeding of God, it is so important for you to get the Word of God into your mind and into your heart and into your soul and let that thing work on you and feed you and renew you and strengthen you because it will. Now, I'm not trying to pick on you, and I'm not trying to box you into staying in my church. Okay? Don't be a cotton-picking church hopper. I'm telling you what. Listen. It's like the person that has never learned to use deodorant or shower. <laughs> Everywhere they go, everybody else stinks. Until they figure out, like, that's not the next church. That's not the newest preacher. That's not the preacher's wife. It's me that stinks. Get in church. Stay in church. Put your roots down. After a while, you're not going to love us, okay? That's when you're going to figure out whether or not you really love us. Come to oh, the greatest place in the world for the first couple of months. And you're going to get offended, or one of your little brats is going to get offended, or somebody's little brat's good little devil's going to bite your little angel in the nursery, and their mama didn't do nothing about it. Okay, go to the next church. You know what some other little devil's going to do to your little angel? The same thing. Because the other side of the story is you don't see what your little angel's are. Anyways, let's just move on. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, getting fed from the Word of God is a benefit from God that we ought to be grateful for. Amen. That book will change your life. It's not to be taken lightly. He's made known his ways in verse number 7. Don't you want to know how God works? Don't you want to know what God wants to do for you? He's made known his ways through that book. Look at another thing. A benefit of God is the fathering of God. Look at verse 13. Like a father, like as a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear him. You see why I said this message is perfect for this church? Because you're willing to say, yeah, I'm a sinner, yeah, I'm not good enough, I'm not supposed to feel good when I go to church. That, that's it. You got it. That is it. When you have that attitude, God pities you. Don't, don't be one, I don't want your pity. Don't be one of those. When we're talking about an almighty God, don't you want his pity? Yes, sir. 
to be a good father, I, I believe this. This is practical, okay? This is, like, this is like very, very amateur psychology, okay? So hear me out. Don't, don't make a conclusion until you hear me out. To be a good father, I believe a man needs a good father. Okay? Okay, hang on. Hear me out. Men repeat the mistakes of their dad almost every time. Abraham, I don't want to die for her. Tell her my sister. Jacob, same thing. I can't believe my dad did that. And then you turn around and go act just like him. I'll never. You watch. You watch. Everybody does. And just like your old man. No, I'm not going to. To be a good father, everybody needs a good father. You know what you live in a world of? Absentee fathers. Fathers that aren't there and don't care about their kids. And what it's done is it's jacked an entire generation up. You got a bunch of men that don't know how to be a man. You know what you got in heaven? You got a good father. And you know what a good father does? He pities his kids when they fear him. You ever have your kids get in trouble? Mom and dad or dad especially. And then they turn on those tears. You better make sure they're not manipulating you. But I'm talking about when they're really sorry. When they're really sorry. When they come back and say, you know what, Dad, I'm an idiot. I'm sorry. What's God done for you, man? Doesn't he pity you when you're genuinely sorry? You know what a good father does? A good father pitieth his children. Why? Because he cares about them. Verse 14, for he knoweth our frame, he remembereth that we are dust. You know, one of the benefits of God is his fathering. So, you need a good father to be a good father. And a lot of you didn't have one. What are you going to do? Oh, I know what to do. Self-destruct because you're a brat. Act like a little girl. If you're a girl, that's fine. No disrespect intended. <laughs> if you're not a girl, whine about, whine about it. Sit around and cry about it. Yeah. Or man up. Tough luck, man. I'm sorry. I, I would never say that to your face. I'd sit and cry with you. I get it. But why don't you man up and recognize that God Almighty in heaven loves you and he's a great father. So if you'll get a brain and get a hold of him and draw close to him and love him, he can make you the father you never had. And by the way, sometimes it's better to know what it ain't than to know what it is. You ever see guys raised by a good dad and turn out to be idiots? So you didn't have one. Now the ball's in your court. There's nothing you can do about that. You can't control your father. But you got a father in heaven that loves you. You got a father in heaven that pities you. Young ladies, you might not have had a good dad. But, but you got a father in heaven that loves you and that pities you. He is the perfect father. It's one of the benefits of fearing him. It's one of the benefits of loving him. It's one of the benefits of being sensitive to him. It's one of the benefits of trying to draw close to him and being willing to let him be right and you be wrong. He'll draw so close to you, you won't even realize, you won't even be able to grasp how great he is. He'll show you how to be a good father and what a good father is. You don't need to go find it from some idiot that's going to wreck your life. Amen.
You know what happens to young ladies who don't, know how, don't have the right kind of father? They start seeking male attention. Yeah. Dad. Dad. Get a brain. I know they're a lot of work. You shouldn't have brought them into the world if you weren't willing to put the work into them, you lazy bum. I'm sorry, it's not Father's Day. I'm trying to be nice this morning. You lazy <laughs> bum. You brought them into the world. Hey, you put the work into them. I want my girls to be like, Dad, if you don't like him, I'm not marrying him. Because they know one thing about their dad, I, I hope and pray, I think they do. They know one thing about me. There's no ulterior motives with me. I want the best for them. That's all that I care about. I don't care if they're rich. I don't care if they're beautiful. I don't care if they're talented. I don't care about none of that. That means nothing to daddy care if they're some kind of a supermodel or if they get fat because they like eating ice cream. Hopefully you die happy, amen. That means nothing to me. I'm the father. You understand that? That means those kids mean everything and what's best for them even if they don't like me. She's going to get ticked off. Well, let her get ticked off. What's that mean to me? Amen. I do what's best for them. Why? Because it means everything to me to see them outdo me in life. In a competition. I want to pour into my kids everything I can to see them go be successful. You guys, you think if a sinful dad can try that, attempt that, you think your father's not doing the same thing for you? God wants to see you be everything you can be in this sinful, terrible life that you have to live. He's like, I want to put it all, it all into him. <clears throat> and he's trying. He pities your frame. He's not sitting there waiting for you to step out of line and bust you up. You know, your kids say stuff and do stuff throughout the years that ain't right. Wasn't it cute when they made pronunciations that were wrong? And didn't you, like, encourage some of those things, you know? <laughs> you want your binky? You weren't like, it's not a binky, stupid. It's a blanket. Say blanket. Yeah. No, you were like, you want your binky? Man, I miss those days. I mean, man, I love where I'm at. Amen. <laughs> you know what they are, right? You got a good father in heaven that n- knows what you are. He sees that you don't get it all. And he pities you. That's one of the benefits of him. But he f- pities those that fear him. He pities those that are trying. He pities those that are honest about themselves. He pities those that value him and are kind of like, you know, I fall short. He says, okay, no problem. Let's work on that. Man, what a blessing to be able to have a father like that that in spite of me, loves me anyways. Some of the biggest lessons I've ever learned were from older men that listened to me, nodded and smiled, didn't say anything. And 10 and 15 and 20 years later, I thought, he knew and he didn't say nothing. Or I said, hey, I was, I was thinking about this, and he's, uh, I've been waiting for you to ask me. <laughs> you saw that? Long? Yeah. Why didn't you say something? You weren't ready. And you still put up with me? Yeah, man. Why? I see potential in you. 
You know why God is being patient with you this morning? Because God knows what he can do for you. Now, forgive me for overstepping if it's an overstep. I'm not trying to be that way. But you know why a lot of the, you see a lot of young men around here, a lot of these young men are coming? I'm telling you why. It's because God's leading them here by his Holy Spirit because God sees potential in them. And when you've got young men that will come to a church like this, this ain't, a, this, ain't a, this ain't a brothel. This ain't a dating app. They don't come here for a girlfriend. If they do, they ain't going to last because we'll sniff them out and run them off. Amen. We didn't raise these girls our whole life to just hand them out to these idiots that want to walk in and pretend like they're serious about God for a few weeks. You're going to find your body, man. Amen. They come here because they want the truth. They're looking for a girlfriend. There's places all over here they could go look for a girlfriend. Amen. I'm telling you, you may not have had a father. You might not have ever had anybody invest in you. But if you'll commit and if you'll get in here and get serious about the Bible, between me and you, I'll do everything I can to help you. I, I'm, just, I'm not preaching. I'm telling you right now, I'll do everything I can to help you. Because I, I think I see some potential in some guys here that I want to see God do something for you. I mean it. I want to see God do something for you. I won't be your bellboy. That means you don't, he didn't answer me when I texted. Okay, well, I'll get to it when I got time. Amen? Yes, Hello. But I will help you. I'll do everything I can to help you. As long as you want that book. Why? Because God's done it for me. And now I'm finally at a point in my life where God might let me do it for somebody else. Somebody else has done it for me. Man, I'm thankful for it. It shows the fathering of God. He's been a great father to me. I mean a great father. He prepares his children. He says in verse number four, He deemeth thy life from destruction. <laughs> you were a mess. Some of you are on your way to ruining your life. Repeating everything your dad did. Train wrecking yourself. And God steps in and brings you the truth and brings you a church that believes the Bible and preaches the Bible and a preacher for once that ain't after anything you have to offer him. i got a life. And I'm perfectly capable of working. I'm not here for the money. And God stepped in. God sent somebody by your way. It was your heavenly father. Don't mistake it. It was him trying to help you out. There's not a lot of Bible-believing, Bible-preaching churches around nowadays. You think this just happened by accident? It's God. It's a father providing for his kids. He's giving you something and he's preparing you and he's working on you. He's redeemed thy life from destruction. Some of you would probably be divorced already if it wasn't for God. If it wasn't for this book. Some of you got teenage kids, and I know they give you fits. Give them fits back. Amen? Number one. We could talk about that offline. Number two. Think about how much worse it would be if you weren't in church and hadn't raised them in church. You could have much bigger problems than what you got. There's benefits that come with serving Jesus Christ, and they're not all after you die. Verse 17, the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting upon them that fear Him and righteousness unto His children's children. He prepares His children to such as keep His covenant and to those that remember His commandments to do them. 
young father, in a few short years, your kids are going to be raiding kids. It'll happen faster than you think. I'm not there yet, but the guys that are tell me it happens real fast. What are you putting into them that they can put into the next generation? You see, your life's more about more than making money and playing video games. And it's about more than the gym or the sports or whatever else you're into. Yeah, you think you're a stud. Give it 15, 20 years, see what kind of a stud you are. I don't care if you are in good shape. Your skin will melt off your face while you're standing there. You understand what I'm saying? What good's that going to do in 20 years? Talking about being a father, he invests in his children, he pities his children. And I'm telling you this morning, God Almighty is trying to father you and he pities you and he's trying to prepare you for the future. Which takes me to the last point and we'll get out of here. Look at verse, we'll go downstairs and eat. Look at verse 19. The Lord hath prepared his throne in the heaven and his kingdom ruleth over all. You know what he is? He's a God of the future. Anybody got the future down? Anybody know what the future holds? You got a lot of wild stuff going on over there. Israel. You understand that, right? Why didn't the world flip out over Ukraine like they are over Gaza? It's not fair, is it? It's spiritual. That's God's chosen people. I don't care if you like it. I don't care what's politically correct. I'm telling you what the Bible says. That's God's land. And right now there's people in God's land God doesn't want in God's land. That's all God's. Those Jews don't even know it. Most of them, most of them aren't even Christian or anything at all. They're just completely secular. I'm telling you what's going on over there spiritual. You know the future? I don't. But one of the benefits of God, he does. Look, our hindsight shows God's foresight. If you look back on your life, you can see that God knew back then what you needed today. Do you understand what I'm saying? Back then, you might have been scared, confused, and not sure, and not known. But when you look back, you see what God was doing to get you ready for here. So what God's trying to do today is get you ready for there. What's there? Ah, the next phase of life. How about death? Are you ready to die? You don't have any promise in tomorrow. Are you ready to die? You pop up right now, put a bullet right in my face. I mean, blow my head right, put, turn my head into mist. That ought to be a way to go out, man, standing in the pulpit. Let me grab my Bible first. I want to be holding it when I go. Prop it open in the casket with it open like that, the blood all over. And just There he is. You know, no head, but there's the Bible. Put the Bible where my face was. I'm ready. That's gross. I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> you all watch the news. You're good. I mean it. I'm ready to go. I'm not arrogant about that. I'm humble about that. I mean it humbly. I know where I'm going when I die. Do you? You know one of the benefits of God? You can blow my head off right now and all you do is give me a promotion. Why? Well, because he's my father. How did he become my father? Well, because I was feeding on the word of God and I saw what that book said about my soul. You know what it told me about? It told me about his forgiveness. 
Jesus Christ died on the cross to take away my sins and I trusted him as my savior based on what this book says. He's my savior, do you understand that? Amen. He washed away my sins and paid my judgment in his body on the tree. So I can tell you confidently based on what this book says and it's not possible for God to lie. I can tell you confidently based on the Bible that if I die today, if you turn my head into mist, I'm, I'm, I'm absent from the body and present with the Lord. That's right. Amen. Based on what the books, because I obeyed what he said. It started with fearing him. It started negative. I didn't want to go to hell. Now, I'm telling you, that thing didn't just save my soul from hell, but this Bible right here, this Bible also is changing my future. Look at verse 15. As for man, his days are grass, as a flower of the field, so he flourisheth. For the wind passeth over it, and it's gone. And the place thereof, he shall know it no more. You realize, you blink an eye. You blink an eye, and you're dead. I mean, in the grand scheme of time and eternity. Your life is... That's what your life is. You know what I want? I want some benefits out of life. When you sign up for a job, aren't you looking for benefits? This morning, what I'm trying to tell you is, if you've never signed up for God's benefits, you need to sign up this morning. That means if you're not saved, start out with a benefit and not spend an eternity in the lake of fire. How's that for a benefit? And then once you sign up for that, you trust the Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ, as your Savior. He comes into your heart and saves your soul from hell. And the Bible says, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. You become a son of God when you believe on his son. So when you take his son, Jesus Christ, as your savior, you become a child of God. And with that, you get forgiveness. You get feeding. You get, you, you get fathering. And you get a future that's determined for you. Look at the end of the chapter, and we're done. Look at verse, 8, 20, uh, verse 20. Bless the Lord, ye his angels, that excel in strength. you want your strength to grow as time goes on? Sure. I do. Do you know your physical body gets older and weaker? Yes, sir. That's all there is to it. That's what happens to your physical body. But spiritually, the, the spiritual things are the inverse of the physical. He that's chief among you, let him be your servant, right? They're the inverse of the physical. So as you get older and your body gets frailer and you die, you're dying. If you've been walking with God all those years while the body gets weaker, you should be getting spiritually stronger. You should be excelling in strength. I met some old people uh, a couple weeks ago. She said, I can't do anything, but I can pray. We're on her prayer list, and she has 21 pages, and they're in big print. Her kids printed it out real big so she can see her prayer list. She's in a wheelchair. She can't even hear me when I'm preaching. But she comes and sits on the front row every service, never missed. And she says, I can't hear, but I can sit there and pray for the preacher. I wonder how much is getting done by that old lady sitting in a wheelchair just talking to God all the time because she can't even read her Bible anymore. I'm telling you, as you get older in the Lord, you should be getting stronger, excelling in strength bringing in a preacher at 67 years old. I don't get these people that say, oh, he's too old, get him out of the pulpit. He's too old, he's too old. We've got to make the preacher retire because he's too old. We need a younger preacher. Not if he's been walking with God. Not if he's been in the book. 
as he gets older, he's got more value, not less. I, I won't put up with that stuff, boy. Not when talking about my preacher. I need to slow down. No, you don't. I mean, I, if you need to for your health, I'm just saying you're more valuable to me now than you were 20 years ago. Excel in strength that do his commandments, hearkening unto the voice of his word. See it? Bless ye the Lord, all his hosts, ye minister his that do his pleasure. Bless the Lord, all his works in all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. You know what he's saying? Make him happy. You know what makes God happy? When you don't forget how good he's been to you. In spite of you. And the fact that you are the people that you are and that you're willing to admit when you're wrong shows me that you're more than likely very, very, very high up on the list of candidates to experience in your daily life the blessings we talked about this morning. Stand to our feet with our heads bowed and our eyes closed.